0: Hi folks, today's Bible reading comes from Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 1. Luke chapter 16. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. He called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain for your friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into internal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money.
1: Hey everyone, it's Pastor James. I'm excited to be opening up God's word for us today, if you're watching for the first time, we're so glad you're watching. We, we believe that God's word changes our lives and we're so thankful that you've joined us. We're continuing our series we're Journey with Jesus. Today we're going to come to a, a great passage that, that's going to shape us. But before we do that, I just wanted to give you a quick update. Over the, the next month, we're going to be working out what it means for us to return. Um, Please pray for us as we work out what is the best way for us at Tungavi Baptist Church to work out how will we start these small steps of returning to being in person. Um, But you'll find out over the next month what that will look like. Let's pray as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your Word and we ask now that you will change us. Holy Spirit, apply this to our lives. Awaken us. So that as we go out this week and in the months and years that lie ahead, we will live for you, planning for our eternal future, investing in a way that sees lost people come to Christ. Father, help us, we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was the school holidays. I was about 15. And... And I got a phone call, our neighbour down the road, who was a farmer, he said, James, do you want to come up and do you want to work for me for a couple of days in the sheepyards?" So I thought, well, why not? I've got nothing else better to do. And so I've gone up and and I've worked for about two and a half days in these stinking sheepyards in the heat. I sweated, it stunk, but every day I went home and I slept like a log. At the end of each day, I thought, I have really worked. At the end of the two and a half days, the farmer comes to me with this envelope. And this is the first time I've received a, a pay packet. Like, now, mum and dad are giving me money, my grandparents are giving me money. But this was the first time where I could really go, you know what, I've actually worked for what I got. And in that first envelope, there was $160. Now, for a 15-year-old, I was like, wow, Like I really deserve that. That's my own money to do whatever I wanted to do with it. So I put it in the drawer. A couple of months later, we went down to the Orange um, National Field Days, and I bought myself a swag so that I could go camping in. It was my swag, my money that I'd earned. I remember my next real pay package was when I started fixing cars part-time and I remember that that, that Friday when I, I got the envelope and, and it had the money in there. They didn't bank transfer at that stage for me where I was working and so I went down to the chemist that afternoon I bought myself a digital watch and the other $15 I I, I put it into my bank account. It was mine. I'd worked for it. It was mine. I was just like, yes. But I wonder if you're a teenager. Like, Have you been saving up recently and you've just bought the latest iPhone 12 Pro and you're like, this is mine. I've earned it. Maybe it was AirPods. Or, or maybe you're a bit older and you remember the first time you went out and you bought a black and white TV. Maybe you remember buying your first car. Maybe you remember all the hard the hard yakka and the, the long hours to save up a deposit for your first house. Maybe, and you know, after 30 years of work, you sit back and you go, man, we, I'm glad, so glad we worked so hard, invested so well, that now we have got a, a holiday house by the beach and we can enjoy it. You know, we work for things and we go, that's ours. And, and it, it makes you smile and, and, and it's, you, you've, you've put a lot of effort and you think that's mine to do whatever I want to do with it. Now we, we come to a, to a passage today where Jesus, he, he, he flips our worldview all the time. He flips how we view things. He's going to flip how I viewed my first pay packet and how I looked at it and viewed it. Let's have a look. Because what we're going to find today is that money is a great litmus test. It's A great way to show something about ourselves. How you spend your money, how you invest your time, how you view your possessions and even how you view your body tells you something about how you have responded. Okay, we're going to come to a parable here. We're, We're continuing our series. Last week we had three parables, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. In that context... Jesus in in, in chapter 15 verse 1 he's speaking to the Pharisees but what's the context of today's passage well we'll grab your eyes go to chapter 16 verse 1 we're going to have a parable here in a moment and this parable is going to tell us about the extravagant shrewdness but look at verse 1 Jesus told his disciples now Jesus he's he's talking to his disciples now he's applying this to them Now the Pharisees are listing in as well at this point. But let's have a look at this extravagant shrewdness because this parable is actually really clear. Jesus told this disciple, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possession. Imagine the scene, you know, you've got a manager, he's managing the boss's property or the business. And you, and you get an email, he gets an email at 5 o'clock on a, on a Thursday afternoon and his boss says, I want to see you in my office at 9am in the morning. And so this manager thinks, oh, okay, so he rocks up, he's 15 minutes early, he's sharp. The boss comes out at 9am and says, come in. And he, and he comes in and, and the rich boss says to him, okay, give me an account, give me the books. What's the go with this? Have you been, have you been wise with my possessions? You've been wasting my money. How have you been investing? You, you haven't, oh, he's not happy give me an account for what you're doing. And so obviously the manager in some forms like, oh, right, he's caught out. And so in, so what's, what's the what's the rich boss do? Well, maybe he might've been standing up but maybe you're sitting down and maybe he, he leant over in Donald Trump style on The Apprentice and he, he, he leans over and he says, you're fired. And he says to this manager, you're fired. Now lucky for this manager, it's not fired on the spot, it's go get your things, you better finish up end of month, tidy the rest up and then you're done and so the, the man's like oh no and so he gets up and, he, and you can imagine the walk out the emotion and he, as he walks out with his head down it's, he's lost his job and he thinks man what are we going to do how am I going to pay the bills how am I going to do this how am I going to have a house roof over my house maybe he's married so he rings his wife and says hey honey how are you and the wife says oh I'm good how are you dear what's going on and he says oh dear actually I've got to tell you something I've been fired and she's like what she goes, man, what What happened? I've just spent $500 on this red dress on eBay. Don't you realise that the, the kids have got their school fees due tomorrow? Don't you realise that they're costing us $300 a week just in food at the moment? And not only that, we've got a power bill and we've got a mortgage to pay. How on earth are we going to survive? And this manager, you know, it would be really easy in this moment for this manager, this man who's just been fired to, to, to put his head down and mope. It'd be easier to, to sort of like, I'm just going to ignore this and just... Shove it to the side. No. This manager doesn't do that though. He actually, he reflects. He stops. He doesn't try to cover it up, but he deals with the reality. And he and he, he takes time out and he, and he reflects. Maybe he gets a pen and paper. And he starts to reflect and to think about ideas. What am I going to do? He spends time reflecting. He doesn't ignore the problem. H- have a look though at verse have a look at verse 3. The manager said to himself, what shall I do? Phew. So the master, is, the master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. He thinks about it. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their homes. I know what I can do to plan for the future. Because he knows in two weeks' time he's got no job. Or it might be a month, it might be two months. But I've got a plan for that. I know what I can do to make friends who will look after me and so he makes a really shrewd plan and so he calls each he's come up with a plan so he calls each of these debtors these, these business people who owe money or maybe it's an everyday person who owes money to his boss he calls the first one in and he, and he asks him well, how much, do you, you, how much do you owe my master and he says well oh, I, I, I owe 900 gallons of olive oil we run out of olive oil at our house all the time but it's like he's got 900 gallons like that's 3000 litres of olive oil and he says, "Right, oh, well, okay, go and, go and cut it in half. Whoa, now, now, I, I, um, I've been doing a bit of click and collect lately because we have to do click and collect and Repco's popular for me and so is 99bikes.com.au, you, you, you go out and buy boy things. And so I've been enjoying that, but I thought, you know what, maybe, I know Woolies does click and collect, so I thought, you know, today I'm going to jump online and check out what olive oil prices are. Now, you know frills. Woolies brand at the moment it is $6 a liter. Like, no, that's not bad, but I thought no nah, you've got to go to the good stuff and so Cobram estate olive oil is about $25 a liter at the moment in Woolies. That's $75,000 worth of olive oil. See, it's about 3 years wages here for a labourer. And and this this man this this manager says, "Oh, let's just cut it in half." Oh. And the next bloke walks in. And it's like, well, how much do you owe? Well, I I, I owe, have, have a look there, verse 7, I owe 1,000 bushels of wheat. That's about 30 ton, 30,000 kilograms of wheat. Now, that's about a decade worth of wages. And, and what you say? Oh, well, have, have a look there. Have a look at verse 7. Take your bill and make it 800. It's like, cut it in, take, take a bit of it. So, so what's, this, what's this manager done? He's taken... About three years worth of wages and cut the bill. Now, that's how you make friends, isn't it? Like, if I got that kind of discount, that's pretty good. It's a good way to make friends. Because these friends that you've just made at New Year's Eve, they're going to say, hey, come over, hop on my yacht. We're going on Sydney Harbour. You know, if it's 10, 10 p.m. On a, on a Thursday night and you've got nowhere to stay, you can knock on these people's door. They say, hey, you remember me? Yeah, come in, we'll give you a bed. Here's the best room. If you need a bit of a loan, you're going to, oh, I need a few dollars. And I say, no problems at all, because look how well you've looked after him. He's been shrewd. He's been wise. He's planned for his future. He's been smart. And you get to verse 8, right? Now, and the managers, now the rich boss, he's found out. Now, and you're expecting, right? What's this rich boss going to say? Have a look at verse 8. It's not what you think he's going to say. So said, that the master commanded the dishonest manager, He commended him, sorry. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Now, I would have thought it would have been, you're in trouble, man. How silly are you? You go, that's an unusual response. Unusual response, but he he commends him. Now, some people, they try and, and explain the text this way. They try and say, well, the reason he's okay with it is because this manager, well, it was just his commission out of the... 3,000 liters of olive oil. That's the commission he was due, and so he's just given away his commission. I don't actually think that's at all what's going on because Jesus actually helps us understand the parable. See, what's happening is, is it's not that the, the rich boss is not annoyed that he's been dishonest, right? The rich boss will be. But the rich boss is just coming and going, you know what? i got to give it to you. You're smart, right? You knew you were losing your job, and you have just acted shrewdly. You know what? I, I, can't, I can't whinge about that. Like I give it to you. You have been smart. You've thought about tomorrow. You've thought about what it means for you once you lose this job. You've made plans for your future. You saw the future and you've made a plan to get towards it. And then we see Jesus. Jesus then he explains it for us, this passage. Now, I know you're going to ask a question. You're going to ask the question, is Jesus now going to approve of this dishonesty? Is, is this a parable that tells you that it's okay to cheat on your tax return? Is Jesus saying, oh, I'm okay with this man being dishonest for those gains? That's pushing the parable too far. Because no, Jesus is not, he's not commenting on the dishonesty. He's commenting on the shrewdness. He's saying, look at how shrewd this person was. Have a look at verse 8 again. The master commended the the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Parable ends there. That's where the parable ends. Full stop. And now here's Jesus commenting on the parable. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. So what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, look how shrewd this person was. Look how the people of this world deal in business. We live in Sydney and amongst us, there'll be businessmen and women who are shrewd. Amongst us, there'll be investment bankers who are prudent every day with their investments so that they can make more money. They'll be prudent in how they invest today because they have a future in mind. Our New South Wales government during COVID, they have a future in mind and they're making steps to try and get there. They're making shrewd decisions for a future in a month's time, six months' time. People are investing today for 30 years' time so that they can retire on the beach or in a nice house where they can every second year go on an overseas trip whilst living comfortably in Australia. There are those who are getting a uni degree who are planning for their future, going, I need this uni degree, I'm going to work this hard so that in five years' time I can get this job and get this payment. There are people every day in the world who are making shrewd decisions for their future, who are making sharp decisions, practical decisions so that they can buy a house in North Sydney or so they can buy a unit by the beach or whether they can buy a little country block in a country village so that they can settle down there with their family. They're making shrewd decisions about their future. And if the world is doing this, if those around us, if your neighbor is doing this, followers of Jesus are to be shrewd in how they do things for the future. In how they do things for the future. See, Jesus is saying, the people of this world are shrewd with their money for a future. And Jesus is saying, well, as followers of Jesus, we are to be just as shrewd. But, but for a different reason, for a different reason. See, what's the context of this passage? Last week, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And I hope you were like me, really struck by the extravagant love of God. This love of God and the Father having his arms open wide, this extravagant love to pursue lost people, this extravagant love and joy in redeeming people. That's the context. And we come to this week's passage. And what we're going to do now is well, if you believe in this extravagant love, if you've responded to this extravagant love, if you believe it, well, your bank account's going to show whether you believe it or not. See, God's extravagant love will reflect in our extravagant shrewdness. God's extravagant love in pursuing lost people will reflect in how we are extravagantly shrewd for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so he just speaks directly to his disciples. Believe this and this will happen. And so here's a a principle for a moment. Knowing how it ends matters. Knowing how it ends matters because it shapes today. Knowing how it ends is going to shape how you invest today. And what we've got, we've got three lessons. Here's three lessons today for us. The first one is plan to be extravagantly shrewd. Plan to be extravagantly shrewd. Look at verse 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth, to gain friends. That's really interesting, isn't it? I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Why? Because it seems like, is Jesus really telling us to use our money to make friends? Well, let's have a listen. Why? So that when it is gone... Now, Jesus doesn't say, if your house, if your money, if your car fails. No, he says, when they're gone, you'll be welcomed into... into Eternal dwellings. Here's basically what Jesus is saying. Use your money and your wealth and your possessions and your body and serve in a way that makes friends now, makes lost people come to Christ for the sake of the kingdom so that when you get to heaven, when you die, those people will be there with you so that you have eternal friends. Do things now. Plan for the future so that they will be with you in eternity. See, there's two types of people around us. Did you notice it? In verse 8, for the people of this world are more shrewd. I want to just take a moment and just really help us in this, in a moment of difficulty, in a moment of contention, in a moment where there's many things going around us in a COVID world. There's two types of people in the world. There are those... Who are of the world or those those who are of the kingdom of God. There are those who are in the first Adam or those who are in the second Adam. There are those who have died. There are those who with the first Adam or those who have died with Christ. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. You're either a child of Satan or you're a child of God. Why do I want to mention that for a moment? Because we're in a moment where some of us may be wondering about what are we to think about vaccines and unvaccinated people? And maybe you're thinking, is is this mean that, oh, well, I'm a vaccinated person, so I'm different to someone who's a non vaccinated person? No, we are one. You see that? Whether you're vaccinated or whether you're not vaccinated, we are one people through the blood of Christ. We are people who have been united by Christ. Whether you're a slave or whether you're not a slave. You know, whether you do public schooling or whether you do private schooling, we are one. And so as we navigate our path forward, may we shine as stars in this moment of people who know that we are one because of Christ's blood. And so knowing that, but knowing that also helps us to be shrewd in how we plan. Are you making friends with your cash? Are you making friends with your cash? The news, I was reading the paper on Monday morning and it mentioned that, that the, the Australian pension is going to go up for 5 million Australians. They're going to get an increase. If you're on the pension, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that increase? Are you going to know the future so you make plans for it? I, I, I wonder, are you giving generously at church? Have you made a plan to do that or is it just something that comes secondly? Or, or, or are you shrewd? in how you decide to serve at church are you shrewd in how you use your time is is serving and putting your hand up something that comes after it's the leftovers of your calendar week it's just well if i've got half an hour spare and it's once a month i will put my hand up for it or do you grab the calendar and go you know what i'm going to make it a priority to serve this many hours every week at church and then other things will fit around it We plan to be extravagantly shrewd with our money, our time, our body and everything that we do, our houses, our cars. Because I would rather turn up to heaven and have friends welcome me in because they know Jesus than to turn up to heaven and can't bring my house or my car or my wealth and have nothing. On on people's deathbed, you don't see them asking for gold bullion. When someone's sitting in their hospital dying, they don't don't ask, hey, bring me my house, bring me my car. They say, bring me my friends and my family. Use your money to make friends. Use your money in a way for the sake of the gospel to see lost people reached. Use your things and your time and your money and your body. Be shrewd and go, you know what? I'm going to invest it like this so that we can have this outcome. So that when I get to heaven, there's going to be friends there who know Jesus. And you know why we can be so shrewd like this? See, we're not shrewd like this because we're going to be accepted by God by doing it. No, we're already accepted. See, remember, it's the extravagant love of God comes first. We do it because we've responded to his extravagant love. We respond because we know that Jesus is the source of our future. We know because of Jesus that shapes how we spend our money. We look to the cross and see what Christ has done through his life, death and resurrection. And we find joy in that, that our hearts overflow, that we've been rescued, that we go, you know what, I'm going to use my money, my house, my things for the sake of the kingdom. And we look and we're reminded of Hebrews where Jesus says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So he could secure our future. He considered it joy. Friends, we stand on the edge of eternity. And as we stand on the edge of, the, of eternity, do we act with foresight Or do we forget to make plans? See, it drives us, this plan to be shrewd. We need to plan to do it. It drives us to think about the eternal picture, not the next 60-year picture. It helps us make big decisions about how we will use everything for God for his kingdom and for his glory. Why? Because here's the second principle. Why can we do that? Well, not only can we do it because of the good news of Jesus, but we do it because we understand the truth about what we have. And what's that principle? It's not yours. So the second principle in this text, it's not yours. What you have, your body, what you have in your car, what you have in your house, it is not yours. The biggest mistake we make is we think that our money is ours. I worked so hard for it. I deserved it. I paid for it. I put the deposit down on the house. My clothes are mine. My bodies are mine. But when you get to 1 Chronicles, have a listen to these words in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 to 12. Yours, Yahweh, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty for everything. Look at that word. For everything in heaven and earth is whose? It's Jesus's. It's God's. And wealth and honor. Where does it come from? It comes from you. Have a look at verse 10 in Luke chapter 16. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. We have been entrusted with what we have. We are all stewards of what we have. Whether it's your money, whether it's your possessions, whether it's your TV. We've been entrusted with those things. See, a, a steward, to steward something, it's not yours. But to be a good steward is to use what you've been given as the owner of those things would want you to use them. How he would want them to use them. you see? So because... Our house, our body, our money, our time. It's not ours, but it's God has given us those things. They're His. We need to use those things that He has given us how He would want us to use them. There's an unbiblical narrative that's going around at the moment. thats It's always been there since Adam and Eve, but it's it's, it's really ringing true at this moment where people are saying, you cannot tell me what to do. You cannot tell me what to do with my body. You cannot tell me what to do. I'm sovereign over it. I am free to choose whatever I want to do. Don't you tell me how to use my body. You know, in that, in that we value life, we are people who value life. You know, and, and, and that's what people are saying about, you know, for abortion. Well, it's my body, let me do whatever I want with it. But it isn't ours to do whatever we want with. We have this misconception that the reason I have the type of house I have is because I've worked for it. We have this misconception to think that the car I've got is because I've been so good at working where I have. But the problem is, we've forgotten that if I was born in Uganda, I wouldn't have the kind of house I would have no matter how hard I worked. you you didn't choose to be born in 21st century Australia in this century. The the gifts that you have aren't because you are super studied hard. You didn't get to choose the school you went to. But you've been given what you've been given by God. So look after it. That means we we actually, it's really wise for us. We've been given a body by God. It means we should steward that body well. We should look after it. We need to to keep fit. We need to take those precautions where we can. Men, you've been given a wife. Those who who are married, you've been given a wife to spiritually care and spiritually lead. You've been given kids to disciple and and to show Jesus to them. Women, those of you who have been married, you've been given a husband to care and to love. You've been given kids to shepherd. If you're single, you've been given singleness for this moment and you've got more time on your hands that some other people may not have. And so you've been given that time. So make sure you steward it in a way that it's used for the kingdom of God. There's a shortage of ministry workers at the time. Think about how we steward our time. Social media, it's it's a good thing, right? Social media can be used in a great way to share the gospel. It can be a great way to share the love of God. Social media can actually be used for good things. But also that we can steward our time poorly by using social media in a way that we just sit there and scroll and scroll and scroll. And it consumes our time and our energy and we just haven't planned for the future. Wouldn't it be amazing to think about using social media in a way that we've planned that here's where we want to be so that we use social media in a way that it brings that about? But I reckon as we jump on social media every day to check Facebook, it's not a plan to think about how can we use it in a way that brings honour and glory to God and brings people into the kingdom. When I get lowered... When I get lowered in my, it's not going to be a six foot foot coffin, it's going to have to be at least a seven foot coffin and it's going to have to be pretty wide. When I get lowered into the ground in my seven foot coffin, I can tell you right now my toolbox, my power tools, my house, my boat, my caravan, my car, it ain't coming with me. The only land, (laughs) the only land that I'm going to need when I die is about three foot wide and about six foot deep. Now, if you get cremated, you're going to even need less, about that much. So what do you want to take with you? Do you want to take stuff that you can't take with you? Or do you want to invest in a way with your time, your money and your energy that will see you come to heaven and see people there who know Jesus? It's not yours. I, I was encouraged by, uh, as a man that I had worked with, and he, he got given a car, or he was able to buy another car. And so instead of selling his third old car, what he did was he, he, he did it up. I did, a bit of thing, I did a few things on it for him. He did it up, got it registered, got it insured, and when missionaries came home on furlough, he'd give it to them so that they could have a car. When, when um, students who didn't have enough money or didn't have a car, he'd give them the car so that they could use See, it's, he knows it's not his, but he uses it in a way for gospel ministry. Uh, men, if you're married, for those who are parents, moms and dads, or, or grandparents, or grandparents, grandparents, grandmas and grandpas, I wonder do your kids and do your grandkids see that you're investing in eternity, or are you investing in the house on the beach? Because when you have little, you'll abuse. When, when you have little and you abuse it, you'll do the same when you have a lot. We trick ourselves into thinking that once I leave high school, those of you who are teenagers, if you think to yourself, "Oh, once I leave school, then I'll start being generous towards God," we trick ourselves into thinking we'll do that. We trick ourselves into thinking that once I go to TAFE. Once I get to uni and get through that, then I'll start being generous. And then we start tricking ourselves and thinking, well, once I get my hex debt paid off and my TAFE debt paid off, then I'll be okay. We trick ourselves into thinking, oh, well, actually, once I get a deposit on my first car or once I get my house and then i will be once I have my kids. Oh, but then once my kids are in school, then once they've finished school, once they've left school or once I've paid my house off or, 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 or once I've, I've got my investment property. Or no, once I'm ready to retire, then I'll start to invest in the future. We trick ourselves and think that will happen because it won't. Don't fool yourself. That's our third point. Don't fool yourself into thinking that, you can't, that you, you can't plan for this. See, this is the point. Be shrewd. Plan. In response to this extravagant love, give generously. So here's the third lesson. Don't fool yourself. We often tell ourselves what we love is what God loves. Every time you pull out your debit card. Every time you pull out your, your a- Apple wallet. Maybe every time, I don't know whether we do too much of this, but maybe every time you pull the checkbook out. Every time you pull you know, Amazon up or eBay. Every time you pull that up, you're making a decision in that moment. Am I going to worship God or am I going to worship money? Will I serve God in this moment or will I serve Money. Don't think that you can fool yourself into thinking that you can serve both at once. Look at verse 13. No, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, money is the litmus test. It's the litmus test. It's the How you view and spend and invest your time is it tells you your response to who God is. You need to make plans. You need to teach yourself. You need to go, how am I going to in this moment, every time you pull that credit card out, every time, how am I going to use this for the sake of the kingdom? What what a parable of extraordinary, of extravagant shrewdness by this manager because of the future but Jesus says to us but hang on if they're that shrewd let us be more shrewder in planning for the future for eternity plan to be extravagantly shrewd are you making friends with your cash remember secondly it's not yours and thirdly don't fool yourself some of you some of you have made investments in kingdom things. Some of you have made investments with your time. Some of you have made your investments in going to Bible college. Others of you have made investments in going overseas on the mission field, and therefore you may never own a house in Sydney. But you have an eternal home that is waiting you that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Some of you have given up a retirement where you can travel overseas every second year where you can sit back and drink coffee and tea every day you've given that up for the sake of eternity but one day but one day in eternity you'll be there with your friends and you'll be exploring the new heavens and the new earth with them because you've made eternal friends a month back I rang up an investment, a financial, advisor, a financial advisor. I wanted some investment, just some advice. And I rang him up. But if you want the best investment advice for eternity, if you want the best one, listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Get, get, get financial advice if you need it. We, we run a CAPS course because it's good to budget. Go talk to a financial advisor to help you so that you can invest money in a way that brings glory to the kingdom. In 1912, uh, uh, Dr. William Leslie, I've shared this story before. He headed off to this tribal group in the Congo. He's headed off there where he wanted to share Jesus. He wanted them to hear the gospel of the risen Lord Jesus and he gets there. And he shares the gospel and after 17 years he's tired, exhausted, he's over it. He feels like nothing has happened and he returns to America, a man who's gone, nothing has been changed, I've done nothing. Nine years later he died thinking he was a failure in the Congo. In 2012 a mission organisation were exploring the area and they came across a phenomenal surprise. They were shocked to find a network of reproducing churches. They were shocked to find a building that could seat nearly a thousand people. They were shocked to find that they had learnt to read French so that they could read the Bible and these churches had grown. They were shocked to find that. And Dr. Leslie, Dr. William Leslie died thinking nothing had happened. But he got to heaven and he'd made eternal friends. Eternal friends who welcomed him in. May we be a church that is shrewd. May we be a church that thinks about how we spend our money so that we can employ more people to equip more people. May we be shrewd in in how we be generous so that we can send more people onto the mission field. May we be generous and shrewd with our time and our money so that we can have ministry workers here being equipped. May we be so shrewd with our hours and our time that you go, you know what, I'm going to serve more this week for the sake of the kingdom. I'm going to work out how I can invest more time at serving at church. May we do that so that we can see people in eternity. Lost people find Jesus so that they welcome us and so that we spend eternity with them. May we journey with Jesus as we journey to plan. Let's pray. Father, you are good and you are gracious. Father, thank you for your word today. Father, your extravagant love is so magnificent. And so may we respond with extravagant shrewdness for the sake of your gospel, for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of the lost. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.